Hello and good afternoon and welcome to the second podcast of Pod Save the King. My name's Alison and I'm with my great nephew Connor. Uh, myself and Connor have a, a mutual interest in history and politics. We were born in the same month but 40 years apart so we thought it'd be quite interesting just to discuss our views from our different uh, perspectives on this podcast, we're going to talk about social issues and in particular, the metaverse and artificial intelligence. Do you want to start off? Or do you want yeah, to yeah, yeah, I'll start off. Yeah. Um, so obviously we know Facebook was owned, it is owned by Mark Zuckerberg and um, it's Facebook that's kind of led the way in this, should you call it a meta uh, empire? I mean, they bought Instagram, they bought WhatsApp, the idea of buying competition to make yourself, you know, much bigger. Um, so the potential of Meta, Meta and the Metaverse, it's really, it, it goes beyond my mind, really. I'm not, I'm not sure about you, Andy Ellison, but yeah, what, what, what do you think about it? Um, it's, <laughs> wow, what can you say about it? It's, it's trying to understand what it is, actually. Um, and I've just quickly uh, looked at it from uh, Wikipedia for a definition and that says I'm not so sure how reliable Wikipedia is but anyway it's it's a working title, it's a working um, concept to describe the metaverse which is a network of 3D virtual worlds uh, focused on social connection. So the potential is at the moment uh, we all have two lives in, in some respects. We have our life in the in reality. So we get up in the morning and go to work or we go to school or college and come home. But then we have this other life which is on social media, isn't it, where we describe the events of our lives. That's not always the truth or it could be inflated or it could be completely made up. And there are examples of all of those things. Um, on the metaverse. But what interests me particularly is the potential uh, from, uh, from from a historian's point of view. And as I understand it, um, as a history student, you would be able to revisit those points in history through the virtual world. Now, from my perspective, I mean, I you know, I was a GCSE history student and now I'm an, an A-level history student. That is... That is massive, and not not even just for me, but especially for those those students and those people that wish to do uh, a degree or an A level in history, but are more visual learners. And I mean, it's very difficult to visualize history. You know, usually it's textbooks and knowledge and sources. But I mean, if if this is true, and if this is you know this could be possible for someone like that, a, a visual learning student. It'd be revolution. Revol, it'd revolutionise history as a subject. It'd be amazing, and not only just for you know history students, but people are just naturally interested in history. Me and my auntie Allison have been to how many? A, a very quite a few museums over the over Ooh. the past year, and imagine being able to relive historical experiences. That is a, a dream from our perspective. I'm sure. Uh, absolutely and potentially. Um... But my one of the potential drawbacks is that uh, certain vulnerable people may choose to wish their virtually their entire life in the virtual world. Is it a dangerous concept? 
to have something like the metaverse where you can immerse yourself in being James Bond, in being anybody you want to be? And does that have an impact then on your real life? Could it make you behave a certain way, act a certain way? And we see that, I suppose, with modern day consoles like Xbox and PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Many teenagers are, you know, living the lives on these on these consoles they wasting away in dark bedrooms playing these games and don't get me wrong I, me I, I personally have experienced certain games on you know xbox and i quite enjoyed them myself to pass the time but when somebody spends an entire day on it when given the poten- when given the you know p- potential to actually go further and live Mm. In some in a world that looks real, why wouldn't you do it? Do you know what I mean? What what yeah. reason isn't there to do it? I know, and it's and let's face it, to to live the life of James Bond or somebody else is a lot more exciting than being a, an administrator in the NHS. Oh, or... absolutely, yeah, uh, a significantly less workload, um... <laughs> a much more exciting existence. Well, than yeah, we currently have, um, but. If if we, I think there's two things for me. There's the the worry that that virtual reality, the James Bond of killing people, or things that are seen on Xbox and others, could that to a vulnerable mind change how they behave in the real world, and will the two become merged so that they can't tell the difference between the two? Has that already happened? We don't know. It's quite it's quite interesting. It is an interesting concept. Um, and some, I, saw, I saw a news article a few weeks ago about how billions of pounds have been spent in a land grab in the metaverse. Now, I'm not sure what you know land in the metaverse means. I'm, I'm not sure if you know what it means. I don't, but we can speculate. Yeah, we can only... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, speculation, isn't it, that... Is it about I or New York? Connor on Spain. So if you want to visit New York in the virtual world, you'd have to pay me money. Because let's face it, at the end of the day, there's probably going to be some monetary influence on this. Oh, definitely. And it, I mean, many people, many people of wealth already will use it as a like as a business technique, won't they? It'll be. Yeah. Could it be a second income? Well, not really a second income, but. Could it add to the to the many riches that some people have in in this world? Um, now, something that really rocked my mind: Why would anyone spend billions buying virtual land that isn't real when, for p- probably cheaper? I'm, well, I'm not sure of the exact amount what a single piece costs, but I mean that money could be used to buy real land in the real world. So why do you think people are more attracted to this kind of fake land, should you call it, than... I, th- I think probably because if the world is your oyster... So say, for instance, I tomorrow wanted to be an MI5 agent. Right. The chances of me achieving that are probably quite slim, let's say, just for the sake of argument. But if I can do that in the metaverse... You're you're kind of unleashing your hopes, your desires and dreams that can be fulfilled in the virtual world, that cannot be fulfilled in the real world. 
Right, okay, yeah. I suppose that's understandable. It's quite attractive. It's a quite an attractive concept. Oh, absolutely. So if I say, well, I want to go to Barbados, have I got the money for Barbados? No. Do I really want to go through all the airport experience? If I can live that in the virtual world, I could go skydiving even though I'm frightened of heights. Yeah. I could do all sorts of different things. Like there's no consequences for your actions. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a dream, really. It does. Um, now... On the topic of the virtual world, on the topic of, you know, the virtual reality and machines, mm. I think it's only right that we mention things like self-driving cars. Absolutely. I mean, the technology is going so fast, isn't it? Um, and just, um, I, I wonder, just, just going back just slightly, the metaverse, does this go in hand in hand with Bitcoin, is it called? Bitcoin, like Bitcoin. virtual currency. Yeah. I mean, so how mm. does all that fit together? Are we getting that there's more there's more growth in the virtual world than there is in the real world? Could it be that the virtual world is newer? Could it yeah. be that I mean it, it's an easier investment? I mean people have it's new, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So people have been investing in our world, I mean, for centuries, you know, millions of well not, maybe not millions, but yeah, quite yeah. a few years. Yeah. Could it be a trend, as you will, C- could this virtual reality be a trend that people want to jump onto and buy in the same way that people jumped onto cryptocurrency to buy and etc. And that's why it's worth so much because so many people want it. I mean, what is, you know, what is like, I'm not sure of the exact term I'm looking for here, but it's the way of capitalism, isn't it? Supply and demand, that's it. Yeah, yeah. If people want it, it will be more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so I think that's kind of the the social side of the metaverse, isn't it? That we're exploring that the leisure time aspect of it. But as we started out on this conversation, it was about the benefits that it could bring to to students of history, but also another aspect to it is that doctors and surgeons, in particular could be trained through virtual reality so so that they hone the skills before they ever actually get their hands on a, a real patient. And robotics is becoming a more commonplace um, for them to be operating on humans because of their preciseness and they don't shake like well, we do. And, and they don't cost anything. I mean, they cost money to make, but I mean, you don't have to pay them. They can work 24 hour. hours around the clock. Absolutely. I mean, it's more beneficial from a business point of view. Yeah. And but, from the human point of view, well, I think. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I trust a machine with, you know, like a scalpel rather than mm. a human that has human Bible. error. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so on the topic of, like, self-driving vehicles... Mm, yes. Um, Elon Musk and Tesla, they're kind of big drivers in this thing. What I found interesting about Elon Musk and Tesla is that... The Tesla blueprints are out in the public. Anyone can use them. Because Elon Musk says he challenges people to make improvements on his car. He he, he, he said if people use his blueprints and Mm. make them better, then he's won either way. If they fail to do so, then he'll win in profits. If they succeed in doing so, then he'll win with further technology in the world. Which I found quite amazing, actually. Um, and quite refreshing from someone from someone of you know his 
worth of money. Yeah, because I suppose, looking back in history, people have painted, copyrighted, logged certain KFC recipes in, in vaults and to protect yeah. the intelligence that they have, protect what they've got. So this is quite a, a different perspective on that, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Um, and I was talking earlier about um, like AI military. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, like the Russians in the horrible invasion of Ukraine yeah. have been using uh, drones, as you said earlier. And I wonder what potential could this have for the wider world? I mean, we're using drones. What what could we be using in 20 years for our military? Um, and is it a positive or is it a negative thing that our military might be moving further away from human, you know, the, the human side to, uh, like, a, a technological side? Do you think that's a positive or a negative thing for our society? Well, I think we could take... You could take look at it from two perspectives. Um... Certainly, um, it is. It's dehumanising. Yeah. To use machines, it's not seeing the fallout as much, is it? That actual soldiers are losing their lives. So, um, not that we want anybody to lose a life, but uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a difficult one, Matt. Um, would yeah. you, do you want to put your point of view? I think. I think it's quite a positive thing for our for our world. Um, so we look in tragic wars, we look in tragic battles, like mm. um, the the war in Ukraine recently, for example. You know the war in Iraq, um, and many wars before that. The tragic loss of human life is awful, and I think the fact that machines can now, well, maybe not currently, but maybe in the future could take the part of, you know, a human soldier. I think that is really positive to prevent the loss of human life. Yeah, but I suppose on the flip side, it could accelerate the use of weapons to a higher level than if it was just actual people doing hand-to-hand fighting. Right, okay. Yeah, and that's a good point, I suppose. Um... And are you sort of suggesting that maybe if we, you know, do rely on AI to fight wars for us, then human life could be bigger, would you say? The loss of human life could be bigger, do you say? Um, potentially, yes. Um, and I think it, it. I think I've said it already before about dehumanising it. So when you have tremendous loss of life from soldiers, like is happening in Russia... Russian mothers are saying, where is my son? Yeah. Um, so to int- even though in some ways you could say, well, if it takes that element away, that it's actually the machines that's doing the fighting, then there's still going to be a consequence for that, isn't there, in terms of, well, what are they fighting for? And nine times out of ten, it's always been about land. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And so with land balance. comes people. Well, I suppose yeah. so, yeah. And that, that's a really interesting point point you draw off. Um, and so I know that the US in recent months have been in the middle of building um, an AI warship that's manned by no people, so there's no wages being you know being spent to pay the people to be on the ships. 
Um, it can sail itself. It can apparently it can detect other ships around it, enemy ships. Um, what do you think the consequences of that could be? Well, obviously, it means that an awful lot of the Air Force, the Navy and the Army are going to see a massive reduction in actual personnel. Yeah. Um, which uh, will have an economic consequence, won't it? Because that, what do they, what do those people then do when they've got a military background and their skills are honed in? Maybe they could then become the operators of this machinery, but you're not going to need as many people. Well, I suppose not. And I suppose linking that to history as well, uh, in the 20th century, Britain was the country to invest in, you know, coal and uh, steam ships and steam power. Could AI, uh, the AI side of military, be the new steam power? Could countries that invest in an AI military today be the superpowers of tomorrow in the same way that the British were in the 20th century? That's highly possible, and my worry is that the AI overcomes the power of the human to switch them off. Right. So I believe there was an article um, in the Telegraph some months ago regarding a professor in America that resigned from his job because he was working with computers and the computer was in that learning phase. So the question he posed to the machine, what would you, what would your reaction be, or your answer be, if I said, I am going to switch you off? And the machine replied, I would be afraid. Which suggests wow. that machines have already got that emotional intelligence. So if... That is the case, if you take it to its natural conclusion, a warship that has no humans on board, it brings up an issue about communication, what yeah. if that breaks down? What if artificial intelligence says, well, actually, we might be better off on this planet without the humans? Right, and I suppose that's the, the greatest kind of science fiction Absolutely. fear throughout the entirety of cinema. Um now, to bring this conversation to a head, um, because we are running out of time, I think um, we would like you to send in your opinions about AI and whether you think they could have a negative or positive impact on our society. I mean, could they improve our society or could they destroy our society? It's the do or do not. Um, so you can email us at podsavetheking22 at gmail.com. Um, or you can send us a private message on Instagram at pod.save.the.king. Um, and we look forward to hearing from you. We'll do our absolute best to answer back. Um, and any responses that we're given, we'll read them out at the start of next uh, at the start of the next podcast. Um, so thank you for listening that's goodbye from me Connor and um... it's goodbye from him and me <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening see you later